Welcome to the Choose Life Radio Network. Your host is Jill Taylor. Every week we bring you a candid conversation with someone who's making a difference for the cause of life. And now here's Jill to introduce today's guest on Choose Life Radio. I'm sure you remember where you were on 9-11. I certainly do. Well, this story today in this wonderful interview at Choose Life Radio is about 9-11. I'm Jill Taylor, your host, and you're going to meet Frank Ziller. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Jill, for having me here today. And Frank is the administrator, the CEO of Tunnel to Towers. It's a foundation that was formed because of a tragic loss that took place in their family. And really all of America was aware of this loss. So we're going to talk about your brother, Stephen. And he was the last of all the children in your family. You had a big family, didn't you, Frank? Yes, Stephen was the youngest of seven. But he was so much younger than all of us. He was born, uh, the beautiful thing, uh, my mom was over 44, and my dad was 49 uh, when my brother Stephen was born. So he was a lot younger than my, my oldest brother, Russ, was 25 when, uh, when Stephen was born, and I was the closest in age, and I was 14. So it was our little miracle. <laughs> that is a miracle. Did you kind of have a rough time when your parents told you they were pregnant again when you were at that age? <laughs> no, we loved it. The thought of having another sibling and ended up having a younger brother, it was great. It was really a, a, a special gift from God, and we and we treated him like that, too. We Like, he was became the very core of our family, uh, even though we were very, very close. He would just brought so much life into the Silla family. It was funny, because when he was born, my father came to, I was in the eighth grade, and my father came to my classroom and I saw him at the door, and I thought I was in big trouble for something <laughs> I did. And, he, and like he waved his hand, the teacher let me go out, and I'm saying, "Oh my, what did I do?" And he said, "You got to let you know, Frankie, you have another brother." <laughs> See, it was quite oh, I'm sure that was a, a a huge gift for your whole family. And then, not long after that, I think about a year and a half, uh, your father passed away. No, actually, when Stephen was eight uh, years old. Our dad passed away, and a year and a half later, our mom passed away. So at age before, he was just 10 years old, and he was truly orphaned. But well, like I said before, he was blessed that he had much older siblings, and he went to live with my oldest brother, Russell, out in Rockville Center in Long Island. But Stephen grew up in Staten Island. That's where we all grew up. And he went out there and lived with my oldest brother, Russell, who actually passed away uh, last November mm-hmm. with Alzheimer's. So I know that they're together up there in heaven, uh, watching mm-hmm. over us and making yeah. sure we make all good decisions. <laughs> well, I think they're proud of you, if that's the case. I think God's proud of you guys because of the incredible ministry you have been able to create out of this. I want to ask you some personal questions before we go to the foundation. I'd love to know what that feels like when your father and your mother pass away so quickly together in such quick timing together, a year and a half, and you're you're really taking the responsibility on, as a family, to raise a child. Well, of course, the loss was so unbelievable for us to lose both parents in such early age. Um, they were, yeah, we were young, and, uh, and we were young. You know, we were in our 20s. But Stephen was, like I said, 10. So we right away focused on Stephen. And that helped us get out of ourselves and think about doing something for somebody else, because uh, that's what my parents taught us. But they were 
very spiritual parents that taught us in life to do for others and to serve and, you know, they just taught us how to live in a very simple and modest way. And we knew what we had to do. So it was crushing to us, but we right away knew that, hey, our energy, our love had to be pointed to Stephen, had to take care of Stephen. And I think that helped us all get through that very difficult period because we focused on somebody else. During that time, you had an inspirational phrase, and it's, while we have time, let us do good. Those were words that Stephen lived by, from what I can understand. Oh, yeah. Stephen was an incredible human being. Uh, he had a tough adolescence, like a lot of kids do, uh, and his might have been his was compounded because of his, you know because of the loss of his parents. Uh, but he came out the other side. By the time he was like 19, he was solid on his feet, solid citizen, and uh, he um, was always about doing for other people. He served. He the more he could do for his siblings, the happy he was. The more he could do for his neighbors, the happy he was. And then he decides to be a firefighter. And uh, once again, because he wanted to serve, you know, in this case, his community. And he loved the brotherhood of a firefighter. He was like another family to him. Mm. And family was everything to Stephen. And it was a, a calling. There was no question about it. Becoming a firefighter was a calling. I think that that is going to lead us into the importance of the story about Stephen and Tunnel to Towers. Can you share with us the incident that happened 9-11? Well, Stephen, uh, on September 11, 2001, he had just finished his night tour in Squad 1 in Brooklyn, which is pretty close to the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel, which connects Brooklyn to downtown Manhattan. He's on his way home to play golf with my brother Russ, my brother George, myself, and, and him. The four brothers were going to have a day of golf, and for those who remember, it was a beautiful day, especially in New York. It was a 10 out of 10, that's for sure. Mm. And uh, we were so looking forward to it. But he heard on his radio scanner that the towers were hit, so he drove back to his firehouse. The company had already responded to Ground Zero, so he just went and got his gear, drove to the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel, and it was closed for security reasons. They weren't letting any more cars. There were many cars abandoned in there. It, you know, it was a crazy mm-hmm. scene down there. Mm-hmm. So he strapped 60 pounds of fire gear on his back, and he ran through the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel, which is almost two miles long. Mm. He ran through that tunnel up West Street into the what we believe was the South Tower, because we never did recover him. And up those stairs, like all the firefighters were doing, the police officers, and, you know, while saving others, he gave up his life. And... You know, when we found out what he'd done, we were just so, you know, of course, the loss was just crushing, but we were so proud of what he did. I mean, who does that, you know? Right. So we started a foundation in his honor to honor not just what Stephen did on September 11th, but to honor what so many people did on that day. And of course, our foundation has grown to honor the uh, sacrifice that's been made ever since by our law enforcement, our firefighters, and our military. Well, I want to talk about that more, but I I really want to finish up here understanding Stephen, because the great loss for a family is when you lose a brother or a sister or a parent, and you, you as a family experienced a lot of loss. And with Russ just passing just recently, that's another tremendous loss. Was Stephen married? Stephen was married and had five children. Oh, Wow. That's that's <laughs> awesome. Too many times. See, he knew every day was precious. Uh huh. He did. He learned that at a very early age. He knew every day was precious and not guaranteed. 
Right. And how's his family doing now? You know, they're doing good. They're doing good. The kids are grown. You know, they're much, you know, the oldest was 10 at the time, so she's just turning 30. And the youngest was only nine months, young Stephen, and is now 20. Hmm. So they're doing good. I just saw Stephen today, as a matter of fact. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's uh, quite a character, too. Not much different than his father. (laughs) And that's great. He got the name. (laughs) He got the name and he's got the personality. The personality. That's right. Well, I just think, Frank, it's amazing what your family has achieved as a family. It's the, the closeness of a family that can allow you to do that. So as we talk about that, I just would recommend for those special people who are with us on this opportunity to hear your story that we think about our family and we think about how precious each day is and that we don't really know if we have the next day. And so uh, I appreciate what you're bringing to us. As you dealt with the tragedy of 9-11, so was the world dealing with that in terms of our nation, our communities. We were finding that everything turned upside down. Uh, I remember being in Ohio and hearing absolute silence in the skies. And I'm sure that as you were closer, much closer to all of it, you were well aware of things that had changed drastically in the community, in the state. Can you tell us a little bit of your your hurt and, and what you experienced with not just your your brother, Stephen, but neighbors or people you knew who were in those buildings? Well, I can because the, the 4th of July in 2001, I had a picture of four, my brother, another five, two firefighters as a police officer, and three of the four of them that were in that picture never came home from, from 9-11. I had friends that I played in high school with, uh, basketball, baseball with that died that day, and I had kids that I coached that were in that building that day. So New York was hit. Staten Island had a tremendous loss, uh, a very close community, very uh, old town, old America-type community where you just small town, beautiful, everyone would be there for each other. And it was just sad to watch all the funerals, all the wakes that were happening, and we just all knew so many people. I had a friend of mine that uh, actually had come out of the tunnel, out of the, uh, the towers and had... And I thought he was safe, and I found out later that he went back in to help. He was part of the Port Authority. You know, he called him the mayor of the Twin Towers because he knew every nook and cranny. So he went back in to help. And, and uh, I knew him for a long time, and he gave up uh, his life that day. So I just started to get these stories. It just was gut-bredging and uh, was so sad and to see all the families that had lost so much. And... And, you know, America really came together. It was beautiful for that. I'll tell you, in one of the saddest days, the worst days in America, it was ended up being a, a magnificent day. And as there was so many acts of heroism and, and love that day, that people willing to die for each other to save somebody else, it was, uh, like I said, just uh, unbelievable the amount of acts of uh, heroism. So these are the things that we hold on to as a foundation. We we want all these stories to be told. We want to make sure people don't forget. And we want them to hold on to the hope that comes from a, a day like that and, and the day that followed in, in America, that we really are resilient. I mean, country resilient. New York certainly was resilient. And we are as individuals. We can be resilient. 
the one thing that I know for a fact, and all my siblings, we said the same thing. We Stephen doesn't want us to be sad the rest of our lives because of what he did. He wants us to be proud, and he wants us to carry on and to make sure that we do good. And we're gonna. T- he's inspired us, and that's what we take from that. You know, yes, we were sad, but you can't stay sad. You have to fight through it, and you have to fight through it by doing good, by doing small acts. I don't care how small they are or how big they are. You have to have acts of kindness and goodness, and that truly brings you into a better place in, in life. And that's how you can get through anything and get out of yourself by doing something for somebody else. That's the best way to recover. I've told my kids that for so many years. Even before 9-11, uh, you're feeling sad, go do something for somebody else and you're going to feel a lot better. Well, that's that's great advice for us as we're listening today to your story. I thank you. We're going to come right back after a short break because Frank has a great story of how they did make good out of bad, how, how that sadness of losing their brother cost them the time and the ability to pour their pain and their loss into something very, very good. So we'll talk about that in just a minute. So stay right here with us on Choose Life Radio. Thanks for joining us today for the conversation here on Choose Life Radio. We are a listener-supported ministry. Your tax-deductible gift today helps educate hearts and minds on God's wondrous provision of life. If you'd like to send a generous gift and help us continue broadcasting on this station, you can visit our website, chooseliferadio.com. Click on the Donate button and follow the directions. You can give online, or if you're more comfortable, simply mail us a check. Our P.O. box is listed on the website. Choose Life Radio focuses on the sanctity of human life from conception. And your kind and generous gift today, well, it makes this broadcast a reality. When you make your gift, please indicate the call letters of this station. And while you're visiting ChooseLifeRadio.com, we'd love to hear from you in other ways. You can email Jill directly or connect through social media. And remember, all of our past broadcasts are available to you as podcasts in our archive section. So visit today, ChooseLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Choose Life Radio. I hope you've been with us the first half and been able to hear the incredible story of Frank Siller and the whole family, the Siller family, what they went through. This is Jill Taylor. I'm welcoming you today. If you are coming for the second half, please listen in because we're going to find out how we can take such difficult times and make something extremely good happen. I believe that's what God wants us to do. That's what he calls us to do. And so we're going to hear now from Frank Siller. Frank, tell us about the foundation. We are the Tunnel to Towers Foundation, and it's because my brother ran through the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel to the Twin Towers on 9-11. And we decided that in the beginning, we just wanted to make sure we took care of firefighters and police officers. And then in 2009, the first ever quadruple amputee ever to survive any war was Sergeant Brenda Morocco. He was from Staten Island, New York. Once again, that's where Stephen was born. That's where the Sills were raised. And we went down to visit him at Walter Reed Army Medical Center. And when we were down there, I was talking to him and I said, hey, you know, Brendan, can we build you, we, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation, can we build you a, a home? And he said, wow. He goes, really? I said, yes. And he goes, I don't know if I'm coming back to Staten Island. I might stay down here. I says, I don't care. We'll build it wherever you want. 
And he said, really, wherever? And I said, yeah, wherever. And he goes, even Hawaii? And I said, yes, even Hawaii. He's being a, he's being a, a wise guy. But anyway, <laughs> um, so he ended up coming back to Staten Island. We built him a, a, a house. And when we were building it, we had a gentleman that was coming by every day who uh, had a smart home technology business. And we started to put all these smart technology, you know, working the house off an iPad, lowering the stove by an iPad or a button, you know, making sure he can get to everything. Unbelievable state-of-the-art bathroom. So this guy, you know, he's quadruple amputee, you know, he's in a wheelchair. And to give him back some of his independence, and we built this beautiful home. And while we were doing it, we found out there was two more quadruple amputees that survived the war. So now if we're building it for Brendan, we have, you know, we better build it for these two great heroes. And so we started to build those houses. And then we're going down to Walter Reed all, all the time. And ended up being five quadruple amputees. And there was 38 triple amputees. And we said, hey, if we're building for the quadruple amputees, these guys are triple amputees. And so on the 10th year anniversary of, uh, of 9-11, we made an announcement that we're going to do 38 more homes. Oh. Well, we've built over 100 of them so far. Wow. These are just smart homes. These are just smart homes for catastrophically injured service members. And these are the worst cases, you know, the double, triple, quadruple amputee or quadriplegic, uh, you know. They paid a great price for our country. So we, we started to build those houses because of, of the first one ever injured quadruple amputee here on Staten Island. So it put us on a different road, and this is what we've learned, Jill. It was a simple decision. It was a very easy decision. It was scary, but it, we knew we had to do it because it was very obvious that was the right thing to do. And that's how we ended up doing also for our fallen first responders and we started to pay off the mortgages because there's two police officers that were assassinated in New York in 2016, December 20th, and they were worried about their mortgage. The families were worried about the mortgage. We found out about that they were worried about it. I went to visit them actually on Christmas Eve, and I told them that we were going to pay off their mortgage on their homes. We saw the difference that it made in their lives, and we've been doing that, and now we're over 150 mortgage payoffs for police officers and, and, and firefighters all around the country because that is the biggest burden that any family has, the biggest expense that any family will ever have, and we know that that's, that's a real thing to do, something substantial thing to do because they're worried if they could stay in their home after their loved one. They just lost their loved one, their partner for life, and they're gone in an instant. And they're saying, how can we stay in this house? Well, we make sure they could, they could stay in their home by paying off their mortgage. I can't tell you how that resonates with me. I think that to be a woman and you're used to having a man around who's going to help bring money in and take care of some of the problems that you have, in the house, to, to be without that person, obviously, emotionally is horrible, but it's also physically very difficult to think of, how do I fix this when the garbage disposal goes crazy? And, and to have all of those things put to peace with a mortgage paid is amazing. It's, it's just such a gift. But I can't get over the smart information you're putting in these houses so that you can literally raise and lower a stovetop or a, a sink or whatever it is that you're needing to work in. And cabinets, too, yes. And cabinets, okay. Cabinets, so they can get something, a glass, so they don't have to ask somebody for a glass yeah. to get, so they can get themselves a, a drink of water or something. Yeah. They, these are the most independent 
people in the world. <laughs> you know, they don't want to ask people for help, and right. it's a it's a beautiful thing. But Jill, listen, the reason why we're able to do this is because, like your listeners, and the goodness of America have been, you know, donating to Tunnel to Towers. And I ask everyone to go to tunneltotowers.org. $11 a month, Jill. That's how we do it. We're such a blue-collar foundation. We ask people, if you can, donate $11 a month, and we could take care of every police officer, every firefighter, every military personnel that dies every year, and their families that are left behind. We could do that. And I think that we should owe, we owe them that. Oh, we owe them that as a country. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, this is an interesting story. The first time I was aware of your foundation, I was on television watching it. And so as I was watching this, at the end, you're saying just $11 a month. And I looked at my husband. I said, we're doing that. We're doing $11 a month. And my husband said, no, we're not. We're doing $300 right now for them. <laughs> so wow. so our, 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 our mount has continued in. Uh, when, when the year end comes, you're one of the organizations that we strongly believe in. So I can't believe I'm talking with you today. It's really wonderful to hear such an incredible story. I just love that you're part of it and your family's <laughs> part of it. And, hey, Jill, you should know that almost 94 cents of every dollar goes to our programs. I don't get paid. I'm a volunteer. And uh, we're so proud uh, that there aren't many foundations in America if any, besides ourselves, I could say 94 cents of every dollar goes to uh, our programs. Yeah, that tells me that you have a lot of people working for you and, and yeah. doing things without necessarily being paid. Uh, just letting the world know it can be done. There are other foundations that are yet to be founded, and they come because you see the need. You see... You see someone who, who's just without limbs, and you say, what can we be doing for you? Because you gave that up for our country, and uh, that's extremely important. Americans really do want to be involved in giving. That's one of the things about, I think, our country. And then you get the generosity of, of those who believe God asks them to do this, and that's even better. No, I, and I agree. Like I said, the goodness of America is going to better take care of the greatness of America and the greatness of those who are willing to die for you and I, Jill, right? I mean, I mean, who has that in them? You know, just like Stephen did, they have this calling to serve and they're willing to, to give their life up and, or their limbs. And um, I think, you know, Tunnel to Towers, we're asking everybody, let's have a contract with our military and first responders so they can have a little peace of mind when they're out there serving you know us our community our country like i said uh, that god forbid something happens to them that we're going to take care of their families that are left behind i mean that is something that everybody who knows that they might not come home after they kiss their kids goodbye and they might not come home that night would have a peace of mind knowing that the family is going to be taken care of and we're doing that at the Tuttle to Talis foundation and so many people are joining us on this mission because they could, first, they could see where their money goes. Second is because the high percentage, we make sure the money goes to the, you know, to the program. But most importantly, it's the right thing to do to take care of these uh, great heroes' families that are left behind. And because of it, and we, we're blessed that we have a lot of people that have uh, joined us on, on this mission. And, and look, hopefully you come into New York, Jill, this <laughs> September coming up in uh, 2021. We have a great event. We retrace what Stephen did uh, running through that tunnel. 
You can join us. You can run. You can walk. Your family could come. You have 2,500 West Point cadets that run in cadence. You have thousands of firefighters from all over the country wearing gear, running through police offices. We have Navy SEALs carrying other Navy SEALs through the tunnel. It's it's an event that you cannot believe. Plus, we have the pictures of all 7,000 military personnel. 7,000 have died since 9-11. 7,000 Gold Star families are out there. We have the pictures of every one of these great heroes through the route of the run, along with pictures of fallen first responders uh, from from 9-11. And do you have a Facebook or a website that we can... Yep, tunneltotowers.org. Just go to tunneltotowers.org. You see, we have 75 events around the country, too, different runs around the country. But the marquee one is in New York at the end of uh, September uh, every year. And next year, just to let you know that I am going to be walking from the Pentagon to Shanksville to Ground Zero, which is about 500 miles, could take me 35 days, 15 miles a day, to help make sure everyone on the 20th anniversary of 9-11 that people don't forget what happened uh, will be 20 years ago. We thank you. We thank you so much, Frank, for for coming on and, and really reminding us because it's 20 years away and we're needing to be remembering what took place, how important it is that we step in and make a difference in the aftermath as well. I thank you for being with us, uh, Frank, and I thank you guests for joining us and listening and for heaven's sakes, go to the website, find out what you can do to help this incredible foundation. And you can look at our website, chooseliferadio.com, and see this podcast. If you want to share it with someone, you can listen to it with them. Share this story. It's a very important story. And Frank Siller, we can't thank you enough for being our guest today. Thanks so much. Thank you, Jill. God bless. God bless. I'm Jill Taylor. Thank you for joining us today, and, and we'll see you back next week on Choose Life Radio. The preceding program was sponsored by the Choose Life Radio Network of Canton, Ohio.